Hello, and welcome back to Office Hours, the William & Mary Law School podcast. I am your host, Davis McKinney. Now, if you're a new listener, you might not know this, but I used to co-host this show. But now, you all are stuck with just me. Scott McMurtry, my former co-host, graduated, and I send him my best wishes in his post-law school life. I'm so grateful he passed along the Office Hours torch to me, and I'll do my best, dear listeners, to not fly this podcast plane into the ground. And I think this episode is an excellent start to my solo career. Today with me are two of the brightest students here at William & Mary. These two women are so involved in so many aspects of the school, and they both lead incredibly important organizations. It was a real pleasure to sit down and chat with them, and I'm sure you all will enjoy my conversation with Kelsey Zizinski and Rebecca Jager. Okay, so here with me today in the Office Hour studio are two William & Mary Law All-Stars. I'm so lucky they've both taken time out of their schedule to speak with me. And now the first guest is a 3L here at William & Mary. She's also the chair of the Law School's Honor Council, a member of Law Review, the secretary of the Students for the Innocent Project, and a legal practice fellow, and she's the reason I even know what a blue book is. She's Kelsey Szynski. Kelsey, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. And my next guest is also a 3L here at William & Mary. She's the president of the Student Bar Association, an articles editor for Law Review, a member of the Moot Court team, a teaching assistant for Professor Criddle's civil procedure class, and most importantly, she's the reason I know what personal jurisdiction is. Rebecca Jager, I'm so happy to have you here. How are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. So, Kelsey, I'm going to ask you the first question. I know that... Uh, People that are first-time listeners or 1Ls here at William & Mary, they may not know how important Honor Council is to the law school. I know I really didn't at this time. I wasn't really sure uh, what they did. So could you just kind of give us an overview of what Honor Council does? Yeah, so Honor Council is the student organization that is tasked with upholding the community of trust that we have and we value here at William & Mary Law School. And we're tasked with making sure that every student is following the Honor Code. Mm -hmm. So we have three main purposes. Um, our first purpose is we do a lot of prevention work. Mm -hmm. So we just put on a lot of educational programming to make sure everybody knows what the Honor Code is and what their responsibility under the Honor Code is. Um, we also run the SBA, the Student Bar Association, election. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, if we ever do have any honor code violations, we are the ones who investigate and adjudicate those cases. And so, uh, Rebecca, she, you know, she just mentioned the Student Bar Association, but I don't think she totally stole your thunder. Now, given that you're the president of the Student Bar Association, can you tell us a little bit about what that organization is? Yeah, absolutely. So the Student Bar Association is the law school's version of student government mm -hmm. in that we represent the interests of the students and we serve as a liaison between the student body and the administrators to work to make any changes on campus to improve the student experience. Mm -hmm. And then we also function to kind of build the community through social events and different uh, times when students can get together outside of class, including our fall formal and our barristers ball in the spring as a way to give students the opportunity to have fun and um, enjoy themselves with their classmates. Mm -hmm. So the, what does that representation look like? Does each class have their own representative or, um, you know, kind of what are the general board members? Like if I, as a student, had a problem, how, who would I go to? Yeah, absolutely. So there's four of us on the executive board. There's a president, a vice president, a secretary, and a treasurer who are representatives of the entire student body. Each class then has student representatives. So the 2L and 3L class have two representatives, and the 1L class has three representatives, which we will be electing shortly. So mm -hmm. that's very exciting. 
Um, the LLMs have two elected representatives as well, and this year for the first time we'll be electing a diversity chair who will be a representative of the entire school, and their responsibility will be advocating for um, interests at the school to make sure that it's a diverse and welcoming community for all. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard a lot, is that the diversity amendment that I've you know heard so much about was creating that diversity chair? It absolutely is. So mm-hmm. last year. Um, some of our representatives put forward the initiative to create this new position to ensure that there would always be somebody on SBA who has the dedicated position of promoting and pushing for and working for uh, the school to have a diverse and inclusive environment. And so that was, we had to get the entire student body to vote to approve the the new position, and we're mm-hmm. excited that we'll be able to put that into effect this year in the spring when we elect our first diversity chair. Well, that's really awesome. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing a lot, it seems, as, as president. Um, so, Kelsey, I'm transitioning back to you. I know that you said that you had the three main functions, but I know that the ones that can be like most prevalent on students' mind are those negative consequences but and I think the the good thing that you said was that you take a lot of preventative measures mm-hmm. and so what are those preventative measures specifically what do they look like what can students do yeah so um, you know I think first off I think it is important to acknowledge that a lot of students do view you know honor council and honor code as more of like a policing function but that's not our intention mm-hmm. we want to make sure that everybody knows what the honor code is because we find the honor code to be such an important part of upholding the integrity of this law school mm-hmm. you know you hear these stories from other law schools about how students hide books from each other in the libraries or sabotage each other in different ways and that's just not the case here at William and Mary and a lot of that has to do with the community of trust mm-hmm. So that's why our educational efforts, you know, we really tried to ramp those up this year with the 1L classes. Um, During orientation week, we had a presentation for them about what the honor code is and how they may see it throughout the year. We also have, um, we're going to have an outlining session for the 1Ls um, to kind of teach them about what outlining is and how it can interact with the honor code and then a finals exam session as well. We also distribute, you know, honor code reminders to everybody's hanging files around finals time. And if anybody ever has questions, you know, every single honor council member is happy to answer those questions. And so those members, kind of in the same way that Rebecca told us about the structure of uh, SBA, could you tell us about, you know, if I wanted to go find uh, an honor council rep, is there somebody closer to me than, you know, the the chair as in your cell. Yeah, absolutely. So every class has six appointed members of Mm -hmm. Honor Council. Um, So I am appointed separately from those. So the 3L class has six appointed members. um, The 2L class has six appointed members. And then once we do the elections for the 1L reps, they will appoint their six new members as well. Mm -hmm. This year, we're also bringing back an LLM representative position um, to also serve as a liaison between us and the LLM students. Mm -hmm. And so why would, uh, what's your argument, I, mean, I don't want to say argument, but this is law school, but you know, what's your pitch to 1Ls as to why they should want to be one of those representatives? So part of what makes this school so special is our community of trust. And um, I know when I was a 1L, I felt instantly at home here at William & Mary. It just felt like a community that I was instantly a part of. It didn't feel as scary as I thought it would be coming in. And so for me, I joined Honor Council to give back to the community and make sure that future students felt the way that I did about William & Mary. So I think joining Honor Council is a really great way to, first off, get involved pretty early on in your 1L year, um, and then also, you know, give back to the school that and help maintain that community of trust that we cherish here. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also a way to get to know upperclassmen as well, since it is such, you know, we've got six people from each class, and 
it's a great group to join. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I have lots of friends, including you, on Honor Council as well. And Rebecca, in, in the same vein, why, you know, if I were a 1L interested in, in running for SBA or not even a, an elected position, just being involved, you know, what's the, what are the benefits there? Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits to getting involved in law school in general, but particularly SBA. It, for me, was the organization where I found a very close-knit group of students who all shared the same mission of trying to improve the law school experience for all. And I think it's a great way to get involved right off the bat to, as Kelsey mentioned with Honor Council, to connect with upperclassmen who are dedicated and passionate about making the law school a better place is an exciting opportunity. And I think it it provides students with a chance to be a voice for their class, to be able to represent issues and concerns and ideas to the administration and to be able to see those tangible changes mm -hmm. on campus. And then it it's a feeling of being part of something bigger than yourself. And I think as somebody who does really love William & Mary Law School, to be able to see a difference that I've made in my experience and the experience of other students here is something that's really cool. And it's a lot of fun also to mm -hmm. be able to put together social events for the entire student body and to, to see people enjoying themselves and having a good time outside of the library. I can personally attest that fall formal is very fun. So anyone <laughs> else should absolutely go to fall formal. And so in, um, you got to three L's now. It's, I never thought I would make it to two L. I can imagine how you guys are feel, feeling now. But looking back that, you know, you've been involved in these organizations since I'm presuming your first semester as a 1L. How does your activity within the group now, how has it shifted now that you're the heads of the, your organizations um, than it was just as like the, the first semester? And Kelsey, we'll start with you. Yeah, of course. So um, as a 1L, you know, I every single 1L is uh, assigned to one of the committees within Honor Council. So there's the Elections Committee, there's the Continuing Education Committee, and there's the 1L LLM Education Committee. And you rank your preferences and you get assigned to a committee. So I was assigned to the um, Continuing Education Committee. And basically as a 1L just kind of helped support the committee members there and did what I was told essentially. <laughs> and then my 2L year, I was given the opportunity to chair the Continuing Education Committee. And during that time, um, my co-chair and I, Kelsey McNeil and I, we had a couple of different things that we wanted to do. Our main thing being really ramping out the without a doubt worth sharing initiative that we do. So we wanted to get more nominations than we had in the past. So we created kind of like guidelines for who to nominate for this per, um, for this award, like who is an honorable person within the school. Mm -hmm. And then we really ramped up the advertising for it. And I think that we improved our numbers, something like before we had gotten six nominations and last year we got almost 30. So mm. it was really a, a great improvement and it was fun to get involved in that capacity. Um, and then I decided to um, apply to be chair. Mm. And so now as, as your chair, you know, what are your kind of day-to-day -day roles? What are you hoping to do with, within the organization? Yeah, so um, as chair, you know, I'm involved in all the committees at this point. Um, so a lot of it is Right now, we're getting ready for the 1L elections, so it's speaking with the committee members and deciding, like, you know, what needs to happen um, to prepare for those things. With the 1L LLM committee, like, we spent a majority of the summer planning for orientation because we knew we wanted to redo the orientation materials that we had, and so our 1L LLM committee chairs, like, really revamped that. And so that's what most of the summer was about, was making sure we were ready for the 1Ls to come in. Mm -hmm. And that was my main focus as chair. I wanted to make sure that when the 1Ls came to William & Mary, 
that they felt comfortable with Honor Council and they felt comfortable with the Honor Code and really that they felt like we were approachable and they could come to us with their questions. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my main goal as mm -hmm. chair this year. Okay, well, that's great. And uh, Rebecca, and I'm shifting over to you with just kind of that same question. What does your first year involvement look like and how does that compare to what you do now as, as president? Yeah, so first year, uh, my first year I was a 1L rep and that kind of involved just getting your feet feet wet and seeing what things your classmates brought to you and what things you could work on to change in the school. And so it was a great experience getting to to do that. We also, um, 1L reps help appoint the Honor Council chairs mm -hmm. for the 1L class or associate chairs for the, for the 1L class. So that was a, a great way to get to know classmates and to feel like you were helping put together an organization that does so much for the school. Um, I, my friends will tell you that I talk way too much about my 1L accomplishment, which was getting new toilet seats in the library. So I will, I, I will um, probably talk about that for a very long time because I am proud of that. So That's a really big accomplishment. Did you, did the SBA, this is, you know, not just being pedantic here, did you guys have uh, an involvement with the water bottle filling stations in the library? Uh, we did. That was something that for years or different SBAs have worked on and brought to the school, and so it's nice to finally see that. That is quality representation. I mean, I was so angry that I would have to walk all the way to the Penny Commons to, like, from the library. So that is great. You want else have it. Have it great. That's right. Thank you. We're just trying to make the real important differences here at the law <laughs> school, so we're just trying to do our best. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think we, we've learned so much about Honor Council and SBA. Can we learn a little bit about uh, you guys? Is you, know, you comfortable with, with questions? Yeah. About that? yeah. Yeah. So, Kelsey, where are you from? How did uh, you get here? <laughs> I'm originally from Champaign, Illinois. Mm. I went to undergrad at Indiana University, and then I worked for about three years in Chicago before coming out here for law school. Mm -hmm. You're a Cubs fan, correct? I am a huge Cubs fan, yes. Oh, well, well that's good. And uh, Rebecca, same thing, you know, where'd you, where'd you go? Where'd you come from? Where'd I come from? Well, yeah. I'm originally from the great state of New Jersey, and I went to undergrad at the University of Delaware, mm -hmm. um, and then I spent a year teaching English in Madrid oh, before wow. coming to William & Mary for law school. Mm -hmm. That's great. And um, so the classroom setting you guys are both involved in, um, sort of as teaching assistants and as a legal practice fellow. Kelsey was actually my legal practice fellow, which is why, you know, she talked about the blue book. And, and Rebecca was my teaching assistant for civil procedure. And they've both gone on to probably now teach smarter students than I was. Um, but so could you tell a little bit about what the legal practice program is, Kelsey, and, you know, what the experience as a TA is like? Rebecca and Kelsey, we'll start with you. Yeah, of course. So the legal practice program has two parts of it. Mm -hmm. There's the legal writing portion, um, and my role in there is that I teach citations and the blue book, like you already mentioned. Um, and then there's the lawyering skills side, uh, where my role there is really to kind of serve as a support through the simulations. And as you know, I'm your client in the simulations. You get to interview me and, you know, counsel me about the law and things like that. And so the legal practice fellows really are just another form of a teaching assistant within the legal practice program. And for me, I also, you know, wanted to use my position as a role of a mentor to you guys and trying to make myself available to you, you know, all of you for any law school related questions that you all had. So I know we did like an outlining session and a class registration session. Um, but those were just little fun extras for you guys. Well, yeah. And, and they, they were, Greatly appreciated. I credit them to being here. You said outline, you know, a few times now. What exactly is an outline? Yeah, so an outline is basically like the law school version of a study guide. Um, so 
not all professors, but most professors do let you use an outline when you're taking a law school exam. And it's basically just a condensed version of your notes in a form that's basically a study guide. Mm -hmm. All right, and so um, Rebecca, what is being a, a teaching assistant like? Like, you know, you you're not a law professor. Like, how are you going to teach you know other people? How, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, that's not, it sounds a little accusatory. That's not what I'm meaning, but like, it's really impressive that you know you can teach people. Well, what else? Well, thank you. Me. I um, yeah, personal jurisdiction all the way. Um, <laughs> I I really liked civil procedure when I took it. Uh, my 1L year, and I was very excited when I was had the opportunity to be Professor Criddle's TA because I think it it's great to be able to share that information with students and to offer a second perspective of explaining topics or to, to be able to spend more time explaining topics that I know can be tricky for students after having sat in that position two years ago. And so as a TA, I host review sessions a couple times throughout the semester for the whole class. I host office hours every week to meet with students and then I review practice problem answers with each student and that's a great way to get to chat with every student one-on-one -on -one to offer tips and tricks about civil procedure, exams, and outlines in general. So I, I think it's a lot of fun and I think it's exciting to see students transform throughout the semester from never having read anything to do with civil procedure in their lives to at the end of the semester being able to see them as they're ready to go into an exam like I've got this I know I know Civ Pro so that's my that's my goal and mm -hmm. to be able to help them love civil procedure as much as I do you know in truth I genuinely had no idea what civil procedure was before stepping into the classroom like I had no clue and I, and I mean some people that like worked in as a what do they call it as a paralegal or something like that have not I had no clue but your sessions made it a lot simpler you make powerpoints it's great well, you know? thank you i'm glad to hear that i know coming into law school people told me civil procedure was the class that i would find most boring but i do love it um probably too much uh i, I can tell you that um i went as the federal rules of civil procedure as halloween one year and it was the scariest <laughs> costume at the party but yeah. <laughs> i stand by it oh so do you think that you know legal academia do you if you'd like that is that something that you'd like to pursue forward i know that's kind of a really big question but i mean i think that's something i've thought about i do love when i love a subject so much that I want to talk to other people about it. And it's happened a, a couple times in law school with both civil procedure and food and drug law that I, I get so excited and I love to be able to share that knowledge with people. And I, I think it's a lot of fun. So potentially we'll see. Okay. Well, that's good. And you know, I, I've asked you so many questions. I only have one more segment per se um, before you go. And I know that one thing that in the honor council sessions that Kelsey has stressed is that it's never, uh, an honor code violation to ask a question if you had any ethical dilemmas. And so this is sort of, you know, back when Professor Ballon and Michaela hosted this podcast, um, they had games at the at the session. So I just had a few questions. Um, and Rebecca, feel free to, to hop into because I know that you have some honor council thing too, as to, you know, what might constitute a violation. Because, yeah. you know, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's lying, cheating, or stealing even in your personal life too. It, you know, right. out of school behavior can can constitute an honor code violation. Correct? Right. Yes. When mm -hmm. you take the oath, you pledge to not lie, cheat, or steal in your academic or your personal life. That's mm -hmm. correct. All right. So just a hypoth hypothetical here. Say like ABC is hosting this dating show, <laughs> and I have you know a girlfriend back home who drives me to the airport, and then you know. We're kind of dating, but we kind of may not be. But then I fall in love with the, the with the bachelorette, and you know the whole thing happens. And I play my guitar on top of this mountain. I propose to her, and she says yes. And then it comes out after the fact 
that I have lied by omission uh, from you know concealing this girlfriend, does that count, constitute an honor code violation? So lying under the honor code does have to have an intent to deceive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... If we're talking about Jed Wyatt, I'm fully te- I'm fully <laughs> Team Hannah, so <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so the the last and final question, you know, say that in in the same way that the professor is like, um, I'm going to post the exam on this date. If it happened to be that like, oh, he or she accidentally uploaded at the wrong time, it would be an honor code violation to then look at the exam beforehand. Correct. That's correct. Yes. So say that there's like this blogger named Reality Steve. And he knows who The Bachelor is, but they're going to announce it, like, on Tuesday. But I've already looked at who it's going to be. Would that constitute an code violation that the information's already out there, or, or, you know? I mean, it's not technically academic work, so probably not. Just don't share it with me. Okay. Although I think I know already, too. Already, spoilers you know, will, are all over the place. Absolutely not so spoil it for you. Just don't spoiler Bachelor for me. Okay, I will not. <laughs> Kelsey and Rebecca, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, and you know, I hope to see you around the law school sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, David. Thanks for having right. us. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to Office Hours. And if you've made it this far into the episode, I'm especially grateful. Law school is a time-consuming lifestyle, and it can be easy to get stressed out. So to return the favor of you listening to this show, I'm going to take a moment each week to give you listeners a recommendation for something to do to forget about the pressures of life just for a few minutes. Now, we don't have sponsors on this show, but it wouldn't be a real podcast without an ad break. So I'm going to read these recommendations in the style of an advertisement. This week, we're brought to you by the Gourmet Makes videos on the Bon Appetit Magazine's YouTube channel. Are you stressed out from classes? Take a break and let Gourmet Chef Claire Saffitz remind you that with a little hard work and determination, you can do absolutely anything you set your mind to. Or you can at least make a gourmet starburst. Thanks again, everyone. And be sure to subscribe to this show on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode of Office Hours. See you next time.